Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here this morning. We had a wonderful 9 a.m. We had a great 10 a.m. and we're here for 11 a.m. It's good. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yes. Challenging word. I'm going to create a bit of pain and hopefully a, a, a good way forward. Because where there's pain, there's a desire to change. Pain creates change. I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive in. Father, thank you for the opportunity to bring your word this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus, for your name's sake and for your glory. Father, have your way today. May you speak to us. May you bring change to our lives. May we get onto your agenda in Jesus' name. Amen. When you go on holidays, do you visit other churches? Yes, Yes, I do that. Well, we do that. Michelle and I do that. And it's really interesting what you find. And as a pastor, as a leader, it's interesting to, to, to check out the churches. The first thing we normally do is look at the website. And then we find the building. And a good question is, well, what's the website like? Is it helpful? It does it connect? Who, who are they aiming at? Um, was the church easy to find? What's the parking like? And then what's the signage like? I remember going to a church at Coffs Harbour with Michelle and the kids a number of years ago, and there was a church up on a little bit of a hill, and we drove past it one day. We were, let's, let's go there on Sunday. So we went there on Sunday, drove into the parking lot, and we went, where's the front door? And we pretty much walked around the whole building, and there's lots of doors, but we didn't know which one to walk in until someone walked out a door. We went, let's go into that one. And we went in that one, and that was, that was the right one. But we asked other questions like, what's the music is it, what's the music like? What's the preaching like? Who's, who are they aiming at? Who is it appropriate to? And then, are you welcomed? Are you treated well as a guest, as a, as a visitor in that church? And I'm sure you could tell me lots of experiences that you've had, and I could tell you experiences that I've had. What's your experience of LifeGate Church? Now, for some of us who have been here for 20 years... It's, it's, it seems not a real good... That's a good idea. Thank you. Get Rosie's baby. Excellent. For Sam's not a great person to talk about the experience because it was so long ago and she's part of the furniture. But, and, and, the, uh, and, the, and the longer we're part of a church, the harder it is to know this stuff because we just get used to it and we know people and we know stuff. But if you've, been church, if you've been part of our church for a couple of years or less, can you think back to, to how you were welcomed? And I'm not necessarily just talking about the first Sunday. I'm talking about the first three to six months. What was it like? Because it takes about six months to get really connected into a church. What was your experience like? Let me throw you some, some, some things to think about. What's the, uh, what, was the web, what was the website like if uh, that's how you found our church? It's now awesome because Sarah's now running that for us. What's the parking like? How about the toilets? Morning tea? How about the music? And the preachers? Yeah, really, really good. Excellent, absolutely. You know, when, um, when uh, people come to LifeGate Church, I love speaking to new people. People who have got fresh eyes because they see things from a, from a fresh perspective and they often tell me things that I don't know. And uh, one, of the, one of the comments I regularly get from people who come, to the, come for the first time is that, is that you guys are real. You guys are authentic. And as a result, that's what we put on our website when it describes what's, what, what your Sunday morning experience is going to be like. People say it's real. The other, the other feedback I got was from, a, from an unchurched couple 
the, the man went to church a couple of times, um, Christmas, Easter, Catholic church. The uh, lady went to church with me, actually, growing up, did Sunday school, but then by the time she hit teenagers, she wasn't in church, and they're now in their 30s. So they're pretty much unchurched, and they're, and, and they're not Christians. And they came to our church because they wanted me to do a baby dedication, which I did, and, and they've come back a couple of times. But after their first Sunday, I sat down with them in their home, and I said to them, so what was your experience at church? The woman said, I loved it. And I asked the man, he's a 34-year-old guy, um, unsaved, um, Aussie bloke, how was your experience at church? And he goes, I didn't agree with everything that was said, but it was a really good experience. My kid loved it. And I go, awesome. If we have unbelievers here, they're not going to agree with everything that we say, are they? And that's okay. We're going to teach them about Jesus and hopefully they catch it. And it's like a disease. Like people catch it, get excited about it. And they people believe it and they start to follow Christ. But the fact that he had a wonderful experience and they've come back two times since that time because we're setting up an environment um, where you can be an unsafe person and come and you're not weirded out and you're not bored out but there's something there for you which you can connect with. And for Christians, we have to pursue God and the messages that you hear are going to be biblical truth and how do we apply that to our lives? That's our biggest emphasis. How do I live out the things that God has for us? How about welcoming? How are you welcomed to church? And this is where I want to spend our time this morning on, on this Excellent. I want to talk about welcoming people well. Now, for some people who come to LifeGate, like Fiona Woolley, she talks about how everyone has loved her and cuddled her and made her feel like a million bucks. So, so, so specially important. But that's not the case for lots of people. I want to give you a bit of pain this morning and share with you some stories, three stories, where we didn't do well. And the reason I'm sharing these stories is for us to go, maybe we need to do this differently. And hopefully today there's going to be a culture change within LifeGate Church. That's my hope. There's a culture that's going to shift. I want to tell you the story of, of a lady who's been part of our church for two years, and she feels isolated, not connected, not welcome. Two years in our church. That's how she feels. She wrote Ken and I a letter. Well, actually, we asked her for it. We said, can you please write down your experience so we got it written down? And she did that. And this is part of it. Are you ready for part of it? She writes this. I've experienced a real lack of connection. Read it to you again. I've experienced a real lack of connection when I... Full stop. When I first came to LifeGate, I was on a high for a while. But then I noticed that no one had a conversation with me. Apart from a smile and a nod and a welcome at the door, there was no curiosity such as tell me about yourself or you're coming here now. Another story of a couple who have been coming for six months, um, and I met with them. I said to them, so you're a few months in. Tell me your experience at LifeGate Church. And he goes, honestly, Nathan, honestly, he goes, you guys aren't very good at welcoming. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I brought my mum and dad, and only one person spoke to them. Third story. There was a lady who was, was part of LifeGate Church, came for two years, decided that people didn't connect with her, decided that she wasn't connected, and as a result, 
She left about a month ago. No longer coming back. Now, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but that's not how I want people to experience LifeGate. Who wants a church like that? Hands up. Who thinks we could do differently in that area? And this isn't true for everyone. Some people are very much welcome. I'm assuming you guys are welcomed because you already had a network of friends. But for other people who haven't got that, they can feel isolated and not belonging and that needs to change today. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk to you about how do we welcome people well. Now, how we're going to do it is we're going to look at a scripture. That's important. We're going to look at a few scriptures, actually. And the scripture is from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's, 1 Corinthians is a fascinating book. Paul is writing to a church that he planted. He was there for a year and a half, Acts 18. And he writes these letters back to the church. And, and Corinthians 1 and 2 is difficult letters to get through. I find them difficult. What's going on here? So it's good to read them with a commentary alongside you. And, and although they're a spiritual church, hear this for those who are interested and are passionate about the gifts of the Spirit. They had all the gifts of the Spirit. They were fluent in all of them. But they sucked at applying them. They were so interested in themselves and getting their own way, and they weren't focused on loving others. And so throughout the letter, we have sexual immorality. We have lawsuits. So Mark kicks Neville's dog. This is not, I'm making this up, right? This is not part of the letter. And that, that happened, right? And then Neville chooses to sue in a court of law, Mark. Actually talk to the church about it. Get to the leadership. Let's work it out. And Paul goes, why are you doing that? You're suing each other. People getting drunk at communion. They're making it all about themselves rather than others. And then look what we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. He says, in the following directives, it's over there, keep forgetting. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. Get ready. I love this. I don't like this actually, but it's fascinating. For your meetings, your life groups, your women's events on the 18th of August, did everyone get any, all the ladies get something for that? Yes? Did you get something for that? You should. If you didn't, we'll get one to you. Um, 18th of August, your, your women's gatherings, your, your mentoring, your young adult dinners, your Sunday gatherings, your meetings do more harm than good. Boom! <laughs> the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and saying, your meetings do more harm than good. Wow! Now, let me tell you why they're bad, he says. First thing, I hear that, that when you come together as a church, there are divisions. Divisions. I'm telling you, some say we should do this, some say we should do this, some we should go that way, we should go that way. They're not unified. There's divisions. And, that's, and that makes sense, Paul says, because then you'll know who has God's approval and who won't. And then in verse 20, so then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you eat, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. We're not talking about communion we do on a Sunday. We talk about the meal, and this is the way it really should be celebrated, in a home where you, where you have four cups and you talk about the Egypt deliverance and how Christ has fulfilled that for us. And so they're having a meal together. And instead of everyone getting a fair go, some people are saying, I'm most important. I'm going to eat most. I'm going to drink most. And I'm going to get totaled because it's about me. In that passage in Philippians 2, which we've talked about lots of times in this series, if you're going to move forward together, you've got to have the same vision and you need to treat people well, number one. Thank you, Sammy. Treat people well. Here, they weren't doing that. 
There were divisions. They didn't, have a, they, did, they didn't have a common vision. They didn't have a preferred future that they're all aiming at. They were divided. And they weren't treating people well. They were eating more food and more drink than anyone else. Because as long as I'm fed, I'm happy. Stuff you lot, as long as I'm happy. They weren't treating people well and they weren't unified. And then Paul goes on to describe communion in more detail. And then he picks on a second issue, the issue of spiritual gifts. And in chapter 12, Paul writes about the the use of spiritual gifts. And he says this in verse 7. Now to each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the individual's benefit. Is that what it says? What does it say, Heather? Right. So in a gathering like this, when the Spirit of God is moving and he gives a gift to Mark, it's not for Mark to say, I've got a gift. Aren't I good? Ride him a Honda. There's my speaking in tongues. Ride him a Honda. Do you like that? I said that at Liverpool and they went, Ride him a Honda. Has anyone heard that before? No one. Right. Did you think that was funny? Thank you, Elisa. That's lovely. One person. So it's not about... I'm, I'm going to speak in tongues and someone's going to interpret, aren't I awesome? Or I've got a word of prophecy. Are you ready for it? God gave me a special word. I'm pretty clever. I hear pretty well. Aren't I awesome? Are you ready for the word? Because I'm going to give it to you and I'm pretty awesome for hearing that, aren't I? No, it's about saying God's given me a gift and it's there for your benefit, for the benefit of the body. And we talk about 1 Corinthians 12, the spiritual gifts, but we can make it bigger than that. Gifts of serving, those who do morning tea. Those who have got gifts with children, do children's ministry. When we have a gift, it's not about how good am I, it's about how can I use that gift for the benefit of the church. But that's, what, that's not what they were doing in Corinth. They were saying, I've got a gift, I'm going to put my gift in front of yours, and because I've got this gift, I'm more important than you. My gift's more important to your, than yours. It's all about me. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 to talk about the body. And he says, actually, you're all important. There isn't one person more important than another. Every person's important. Everyone's got something to share and offer, and we're called to do it for the benefit of the church. And then in chapter 13, we have this. Now I will show you the most excellent way. The way you've been doing it, making it about you, that's not excellent. I'm now going to show you the most excellent way. How are we feeling with the air conditioner? Are we okay? It's nice. It's good. Everyone's happy? Good. Okay. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, if I have the gift of speaking in tongues, like on the day of Pentecost, the language given by the Spirit, and I stand up and I talk about riding my Hondas and speaking tongues, and no one interprets it, everyone looks at you like, that's interesting. You're making it about yourself. It's just noise. It means nothing. It's not helping anyone. You're not loving anyone. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom more mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I have a gift of faith that I believe that I believe, but I'm not loving others, well, if I give all my possessions to the poor, aren't I awesome? Look what I did. I gave all my money. I gave all my possessions. Aren't I good at giving me a pat on the back, everyone? No. You give out of an attitude of love. Persecute it. Look at me. I was persecuted. No, you shared Jesus because you love people. If you do not have love, you gain nothing. 
You know, this, 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 this passage is used um, regularly at weddings. In some ways, it's okay. But, it's, but, the, but the context is, isn't a wedding. The context is how we're to treat people within the church. And then he goes on, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. This is how we're to treat people when we gather together as a church in our life groups, in our women's ministries, when we gather together over coffee, over meals. It does not dishonor others. And the one for today, it's not self-seeking. It's not about you. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. He says, Paul says to the church in Corinth, You've been making it about you. Stop it. Love people. Don't make it about you. Make it about the people who you can love and the people you can serve. Make it about others. Use what God has given you for others. Love people. Serve people. Make others the focus. And so we've been talking, and I started this message talking about welcoming people well. You know, if we're going to welcome people well, it means that we need to be deliberate in loving others. Deliberate in pursuing others. Deliberate in laying down our comforts, laying down the things we want, and loving others. I'm going to tell you more about that, but I want to ask you a question first. How do we want people to feel at LifeGate on a Sunday? 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you. Go for it. Turn to the person next to you, 30 seconds, and we'll feedback. How do you want people to feel? Alrighty, who's got an answer to share? Heather, put her hand up. How do you want people to feel? Go for it, Heather. I want them to feel and to know that they are in God's presence. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Someone else, how do you want people to feel? Challenge. Challenge. Good. How else? Yes, right here and right now, you're okay. I like that. How else do you want people to feel? Connected. Connected. Good word. Sue, safe. That's my word. Yes. No favoritism. No favoritism. Good, Les. Someone else? Comfortable. Good. Another person? Validated. That's a good word too. These are my words. We want people to feel safe, valued, cared for, secure, a place where they feel like they can be real, a place where they feel like they can belong. So how do we create an environment like that? How do we, how do we welcome people well? How do we do that? Well, friends, I have some answers for you, and I'm pretty excited to tell you where I got the inspiration from. I've been inspired by Mission Impossible. Who's seen the Mission Impossible movies? Oh, wow. So it was a Friday. I was doing a day off. I went to JB Hi-Fi. And I was looking for some idiot thing, just, you know, some d dumbing movie, just to chill. And I saw the box set of Mission Impossible, five movies for 30 bucks. 
And I went, deal, bargain, I'm in. So I bought the five Mission Impossible movies and I started watching them. One, eh, two, flat. Three, a bit gross. Four, five, wow. Watch four and five, everyone. That's it, that's your homework for today. Watch, I'm only kidding. Mission Impossible, four and five, great movies. But I've been inspired by Mission Impossible. As I was watching Mission Impossible 1, it gave me, as I was thinking about how do we welcome people well, it gave me some ideas. Here's the first one. Are you ready for it? What we're going to do is this. When you come into church on a Sunday, everyone's going to get a pair of glasses, right? Why are you laughing? Everyone's going to get a pair of glasses. And what we're going to do for all the new people, so you know who they are, we're going to spray them with, with invisible ink, right? So that, but, but the ink lights up in your glasses, right? Let me show you what I mean. Here's, here it is on the screen. So we spray everyone and then everyone can know who the new people are. That's option number one. Do we like that? Oh, if you haven't got glasses, then you won't. Rad, that's awesome. That's even. So, okay, well, well I've, now I've got the uh, technological, I'm, I'm only joking, hang in. Doesn't, I'm being silly, doesn't matter. We'll talk about it later. Second option, who's who? everyone's got a smartphone? What we're going to do, we're going to create a LifeGate app with our GPS on it so that when, so when new people come to church and we shake their hand, we put a little dot, but it's actually a GPS dot on their arm, on their shoulder, so that we can follow them on the smartphone. So wherever they are in the building, we'll know where they are because of the smartphone. Are we ready? Watch this one. All righty, there we are. So that's a, that's a way of keeping track of all, of, all, of all the new people to see with that. Now that's silly. We're not going to do that, are we? No, we're not. It was just a way of capturing your attention and getting you thinking. No, no, I'm only kidding. Antichrist for news. <laughs> it's like the mark of the beast, isn't it? It's not. It was a joke here. That was a joke. It was a joke. Moving past it. What I want to do this morning is give you 10 things, 10 ideas that, that we can implement that's serious. Are you ready for this, Alvin? Ready for the first one? Here we are. 10 things that we can implement that will help us welcome people well. The first one's this. Come with the desire to love others. 
The whole problem with the church in the Corinth is that they were making it all about themselves. They weren't thinking about others. They weren't treating people well. And friends, when you come to church, you will get blessed. You will be encouraged. You will worship God if you come with the right attitude. But don't make it about you. Make it about how can I love God? How can I love people? I'm going to come with an attitude, a deliberate attitude. I'm not going to make it about me when I come to church, but rather I'm going to come to honour Him and I'm going to love others. And I'm going to be deliberate in loving others. That's the first thing. We've got to come with a desire to love others. The second thing, we need to be deliberately looking for people you don't know. Now let me stop and uh, let, let me tell you our problem as a church. Don't look at the screen for a minute. Our problem is this, that we're no longer a small church. You might think this is a small gathering, but across the three, we're no longer a small church. When, you're in, when you have 30 people in church every week, you know who's there, you know who's not there. New people stand out like a sore thumb because they, just, they don't come that often. You're real excited to see them and they stand out. But in a church like we've got of almost 300 people and there's three services and people move around services and you will not know who everybody is. You won't know. I think I know who everyone is. Ken definitely knows, but that's about it. Maybe Kerry de Montfort. The vast majority of us will not know who everyone is, and I want to say that is okay. As long as you know a few and you're part of a small group. That, that small group, that life group is vital. For us to care for people, to love people, to move forward, to help you be supported and cared for, that's vital. The other problem we've had is over the last six months, we've had a 30% increase in, um, in people who are part of LifeGate Church. So there's a heap new people around, and you can't possibly keep up. Is, is, is that a new person? Or has that person been around? How do we do that? So this is about creating a way for us to help people feel valued, help people belong, help them feel welcomed. And I've been through a couple. The first one is come with a, come with a desire to love people too. Deliberately look for people you don't know. I, know. I didn't write, look for people who are new. I didn't write that because you won't know who's new. You will not know who's new. You won't. But you'll know who you don't, you will know people that you don't know. Second thing, third thing, deliberately look for people on their own. If someone's sitting on their own when they're at morning tea, if you're in a conversation and you notice someone, say, excuse me, and focus on the one so that they belong, they feel connected. What do you say to them? Number four, say, hello, I don't think I've met you before. My name is. Don't say, are you new to LifeGate? No, I've been coming for 42 years. I'm out at Liverpool. Or I've been coming for six months. That's, that's not cool. Say, hello, I haven't met you before. My name is. What's the question? Hello, I haven't met you before. My... Let's all say it. Hello, I haven't met you before. My name is. Say it. Practice that. Practice that. Right? Fifth one. Say, hello, I've forgotten your name. You know how you, you, it's a bit awkward and you go, I know that person and I met them last week, but I can't remember their name, so I'm not going to say hello. The win of you spending time with them is much bigger than the loss of, of the short embarrassment of not knowing their names. The win of you spending time with them is bigger than, than the small amount of embarrassment. I do it regularly. Hi, I forgot you. I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name. And people get over it. People know there's lots of people. Say that. I've forgotten your name. Hello. Sorry. Number six. Ask this question. What life group are you in? By asking that question, it builds a culture of life groups. 
But it also, it gives you something to talk about. It gives you the opportunity to invite them into a life group or say, um, I run a women's life group, but you're a bloke, so maybe you're not, you're not going to fit in my group. So maybe you can talk to this person and get part of their group. Great question. What life group are you in? Seven. Introduce them to people with something in common. As you talk to them, if you find out that they're interested in dancing, introduce them to Alyssa. If they're interested in music, rad. If it's drama, Bella. If it's electrical work or singing in the spirit or a man of prayer or a man of integrity, Neville Harding, mighty man. If it's someone from a South African background, Karen. Someone who's passionate about a woman of faith, a woman of prayer. And I could go around the room. Someone with, who's obviously a weightlifter, Danny Hackett. Someone like me, obviously a big, big muscles like Daniel. I'm obviously going to connect with you, yeah? <laughs> Find something in common. Eight, spend, here we go, spend time with people outside your life group or your network of friends. Now, we said, how do we want people to feel? We want people to feel safe, secure, connected, belong. When you sit, when you talk to your life group and your network of friends, guess what? You experience all those things. After church, you hang out with people you know, you feel like you belong, you feel like you're connected, you feel safe. That's nice for you. But let's treat people well. Let's make it about others and go, I've experienced that. Now I'm going to help that person experience it. Leave your network of friends and focus on people you don't know. And they might have been in the church for 10 years. You don't know that. So what? Hi, my name is, I've never met you before. Or I've forgotten your name. I've only met you 17 times, but we'll, we'll try again. Nine, invite them to. The first week, Jordan and Beck Curtis came to LifeGate Church. I, I'd invited them to my home. And I had Thomas and Larissa as well, and we had a meal together, and it worked for them. I think, Alyssa, your first time, you, you got invited out for lunch. Would that be right? You did, and that worked for you. We can invite people to something during the week. Melody said, I can take people shopping. Awesome. Invite them to something. The women's activity, the life group, invite them to something. And 10, take responsibility to get connected. Now, we've been talking about how we as a church need to look for the ones we as a church need to include people. But if you feel disconnected, if you feel on the outer, you take responsibility and say, I feel disconnected. I feel on the outer. I'm going to take initiative and I'm going to get connected. I'm going to walk into a conversation where there's two people having a DM just so I can be part of it. That's a bit of a joke, but get involved. I'm going to introduce, my, introduce myself to this person. I'm going to say, I'm not in a life group. I haven't got a mentor. I want those things. Take initiative because we can love and we can change the culture and we can do this better. But ultimately, people need to take the initiative to say, I want to be connected. As we close this morning, imagine a church where whoever came to it felt like they belonged. A church when, when, when people came to it for the first time were like, wow, these people are really nice to me. These people accept me. A church when people are being part of it for three months or even six months that they got a mentor, they're in a life group, they're serving, they're giving, they're coming to church regularly and they feel like this is home. Imagine a church like that, friends. That's the church I want LifeGate to be. And I'm sure you want that for this church as well. So out of these 10 things, what's one thing you need to grab a hold of? What's one thing you go, I need to do that one? 
I need to do that one. What is it? Take responsibility. Someone else? Look for people you don't know. Good, Stephen. Three? Good, Les. Number three. What else? Yeah. You've met someone, taken to someone else. Come on, who else? Invite them to something. Good. No one said the question, hello, I don't think I've met you before, my name is... I think that's a great question. No one else likes it, except for me, maybe. But if we can grab a hold of that, it takes all the weirdness out. Have you ever, have you, is this your first week? No, I've come for three months. Hello, I've never met you before, my name is... If we're going to change the culture, we need to all take responsibility to do this. Think less about ourselves and think more about others. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to share this message across LifeGate Church. And Father, I pray we'll have a culture change. Lord, that we will be a church that's deliberate about welcoming people. And not just in their first week, but for the months it takes for people to get connected. That, Lord, that, that we will build a culture where people feel like they belong where people feel like safe and secure at LifeGate Church. And God, we'll be people who are deliberate to ask the question, hi, I've never met you before. I don't think I've met you before. My name is. Or I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name. And that will be okay. We'll be deliberate to look for the people on the edge. And, but God, we'll take initiative. We'll take initiative to get connected. God, use this church for your glory and your purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like prayer this morning for whatever you need, I'm going to invite the worship team to come and stand at the front. And they're going to pray for you. If you'd like prayer, otherwise be released. Have a wonderful morning. Afternoon now, isn't it? Have a wonderful afternoon. Get in your life groups this week. Women's August the 18th, there's an event for you. Vision Sunday the 14th. Exciting things coming up. Amen.